Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 3.23 Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today on Jehovah Jireh Ministries podcast. My name is Brooke, and I am so, so thankful that you joined me together today. Um... This week we'll be talking about the law. Um, This is week three of our Sermon on the Mount series. And we're going to look at what Christ himself says about the law. And um, whether or not the law applies to Christians today um, as well. So, yeah. um, I'm very excited about this. This is something I'm really passionate about. um, About the law and keeping um, the Torah, and is that really important to us, and I'm still learning about it, um, I'm no, I'm, I'm nowhere near arrived with that, um, but, uh, I just want to, um, teach you guys what is in this passage of the Bible, and what, um, Jesus says, so, um, yeah, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20, If you are interested in looking at the previous episodes, I would really encourage you to do that. Those episodes are super great. We have done the Beatitudes and Salt and Light thus far, and next week we will be talking about anger, and um, yeah, I'm really excited about this today. So without further ado, grab a coffee, grab your Bible, and let's get started. All right, you guys, um, Matthew 5, 17. Let's just jump right in and As we've been doing the past couple weeks, we're going to break down these verses and kind of dig into their meaning a little bit deeper. Alright, so verse 17, let's begin. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So, right off the bat, Jesus says that, look, I didn't come to take the law away. But I came to fulfill it. So I like to think about it like vows. So like marriage vows. You make a vow when you get married and you fulfill that vow, but that vow doesn't end. Like once you fulfill your vows, you just, you don't just get away with, you don't just do away with them. You don't just throw them out the window and be like, oh, I'm just kidding. Um you keep them you keep them sacred and you keep them precious to you and i want i want to be really really clear really quick salvation comes from jesus alone salvation comes from nothing other than the perfect sacrifice that jesus made for us on the cross and he came to be the perfect sacrifice the ultimate atonement for our sins and um so while he says here i have not come to abolish the law or the prophets I have come to bring them to completion. I've come to fulfill them. What he's saying there is that he came to fulfill the curse. He came to put an end to the obligation. So in um, Bible times, when Jesus was living, and before that, the Jewish people, they've had to follow, I think it's like over 600 laws that they had to follow. And if they broke one of those laws, there had to be a sacrifice to make up for that or atone for that sin or that transgression. And they would do so by sacrificing a lamb. And 
as we know, Jesus is the lamb. He is the ultimate sacrifice for us and his death covered all of our sin. So we don't have to live under the curse of the law anymore. We don't have to live in fear of that. All right, so verse 18. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. This is again reiterating that, um, excuse me, reiterating that statement of the law is the law. I came to be the ultimate sacrifice so that you don't have to live in fear anymore and you don't have to live in, um, if he's speaking to the Jewish people, you don't have to live in the obligation and the burden that was the law. Because the law, I can't even imagine how awful it must have been to, and stressful to try to keep all those commandments. Um, but thankfully, Jesus came so that he could be the atonement for us so that we can get into heaven and we can um, be with him for the rest of eternity. Therefore, um, this is verse 19, therefore, whoever relaxes the least of these commandments and the teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So, I found this kind of funny because it almost seemed like he was praising the Pharisees and like the high priests and all that. And, um, cause they were like super into like keeping the law perfectly Levitical, um, like separate. And it was very dividing actually. And so he says, he's warning us. This is a warning. Whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments, so one of the commandments that seems like the most um, dumb or um, like, oh, it's okay, the least of these and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. So there is a movement going around right now called progressive Christianity. And if you know anything about progressive Christianity, you know that it is not biblical whatsoever. They teach directly against the law. They teach directly against what our God and our Lord preached and taught and commanded us to do as his kids. They're teaching that um, sin and destructive acts are perfectly fine as long as you say that you love Jesus. But the truth is, when we love Jesus, there needs to be a radical, radical change, and I will be addressing that in a future episode. And then he goes on to say, whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So, as teachers, um, the book of James says that very few will teach because they will be held to a higher standard. Every word that comes, even from my mouth, is going to be held accountable for in front of the throne of God. And um, if I am teaching somebody that it's okay to disobey God, the creator, the savior, the perfect, almighty, most high God, yeah, I... 
I would be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. I I would deserve that, 1,000%. And it makes, it makes a lot of sense, actually, reading this passage, because Christ came, and it would be, it'd be kind of funny if he was like, alright, well, I'm the Messiah, so you don't have to listen to my dad anymore, because I'm here. Right? Wouldn't that be kind of funny? Because he would be telling these people, like, oh yeah, now that I'm here, it's okay to disobey my dad. But that, that isn't true. Because the Trinity is one. They are one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are, they are separate, but together. And I, it's hard to wrap my head around, too. They are, um, they have different jobs, they have different roles, but they are the same. They are all God. And if Jesus was saying that it's okay to disobey his dad, he wouldn't be the best son. <laughs> and as we know, Jesus was perfect, so I don't know why he would tell someone that it's okay to disobey his dad, but anyway, that's kind of just, that. that's just conjecture. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> um, and then, so let's look at verse 20. Um, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So this, this verse I found to be a little confusing, because at first it says, it seems like he's almost praising the Pharisees. It feels like he's only like, he's like, look, they're teaching the law, like, this is a good thing. And then I realized that, okay, excuse me, I'm so sorry, I have the worst case of cotton mouth ever. I need to get some water. Okay, better. I'm sorry about that. So, he's saying that unless your righteousness exceeds that. So, righteousness is walking in the law, in the commandments, in the um, covenant. And our righteousness is supposed to exceed the scribes and Pharisees. These are blessed, holy men of God at this time. So, he's telling them something that's basically impossible. Like... Because they are seen as the highest of the high, really. And he's saying, look, you need to be more righteous than this. And he's going to go on to explain how that happens and how we can do that. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was really funny <laughs> um, how he says that. Um, so that's the end of that passage. Um, and I wanted, I know this is a really short episode, this is a really short passage, <laughs> Um, I wanted to give a couple of things, just food for thought, um, about this. Um, so a lot of people have said that we are free from the law. We don't have to obey it anymore. We don't have to, um, you know, look at it and go to it for, um, reference or guidance. Um, but it's funny because the Ten Commandments are part of the law. And we as the church put a lot of stock into the Ten Commandments. And I've always, I've wondered that for a while. Like, well, why are we putting so much stock into this when we're completely ignoring the rest of the Torah? The rest of the five books of the Bible um, that are the law. It's five books that take up the law. It's a big 
big deal. Alright, Genesis, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. I could have gotten those last two mixed up. I do it all the time. Um, <laughs> but, like, we, I believe that we are still to obey the law. And I'm still wrestling with that. I'm still figuring out what that means in my personal walk with the Lord. And it's, it's cool because we don't live in a cookie-cutter faith. Our faith is very... It's very unifying, but it's also the way we walk out our faith individually is different for every person. Um, For example, I have some friends that are very convicted about not wearing pants as women. And then I have other friends that are not convicted about that. And they don't feel that that's something that God's pulling them to do. And I have some friends that feel really called to not eat certain things or not do certain things because that's what's written in the Torah and of other friends that don't believe we have to live under that anymore and it's cool because we all love the same Jesus right we're just walking on our faith a little differently and I'm not making this point I'm not um sharing this message to try to change someone's mind (laughs) you know I just want um to bring a little bit of awareness to this might be something that the Lord is calling you to do. He might be calling you to keep his Torah. And no, you're not going to do it perfectly. No, you can't do it perfectly. And no, the Torah isn't going to save you. Because salvation comes from Christ and Christ alone. We can't save ourselves. Our works can't save us. You know, if we don't eat pork, that's not going to save us. Our response to... Jesus' sacrifice should be radical and it should be what he's calling us to do. Like, if you are feeling a pull to tell someone that that, that they're beautiful and you do it, that's obeying, that's walking at your faith. And we put a lot of stock also as Christians into obedience. You know, you need to obey the Lord, you need to obey your parents. And then the minute you say, like, oh, I feel called to do this certain thing, a lot of people are like, ooh, well, you shouldn't do that. Well, that's too far. You guys, our God is not a too far God. He is a good, loving Father who knows what is best for each and every one of his kids individually. And maybe keeping Torah isn't what's best for your faith but it could be best for someone else's. And I'm going to leave you with just encouragement to be obedient. Be willing and ready to hear the word of the Lord. Be willing and ready to obey him at the drop of a hat, even though it might cost you some things on this earth. You might have to not eat bacon. (laughs) You know, you might have to you know, sacrifice some things in order to walk your faith out. But Jesus is worth it. God is worth it. And he loves us all so, so much that when we sacrifice things and give things up, he fills that hole that was left by that object or that food or that um, thing. He fills that hole with him. And the more we sacrifice and the more we give up, the more he's going to start filling in those cracks. 
the more you start filling in those holes with him. And I found that to be really encouraging, and I really wanted to share that with you guys. Um, this is going to be, this is a really short episode, but this is a short passage that has a lot of, I mean, there's several studies, and the book of Galatians kind of shares a counter, um, a counter view on this. I haven't done a lot of study into the book of, book of Galatians. Maybe we'll do a study of that together one day. Um, but yeah, um, I think I'm going to wrap it up for this week. And next week we will be in verses 21 through 26 of Matthew chapter 5. And we'll be looking at anger. So I'm going to pray you guys out. And I hope you have the best week ever. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your law. Thank you that you came to be the atonement that we needed. That we don't have to be afraid of messing up. That we don't have to be afraid of what's going to happen if we don't keep your commandments perfectly because we can't. Lord, I pray, I thank you so much that we don't um, have to sacrifice lambs anymore (laughs) Um, because you came as the lamb and you came to be the sacrifice for us. Um, Lord, I pray for my sweet brother and sister on the other side of this device and myself, Lord, that we would be obedient to your voice. We would be obedient to your word. That we would remember that the reward of following you is so much greater than the cost. And whenever we're asked, whenever we're called to give up, Lord, you are so worth it. I pray that you would bless my, my brother or sister, Lord. I pray that you would give them peace. I pray that you would give them light. I pray that they would go into their workplaces and their schools and their homes, Lord, and be vessels for you unashamedly. Lord, I pray that there would be a radical shift, Lord. I thank you so much, Lord. Thank you. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, you guys. I will see you next week. Shalom.